to explore the dynamics and play style of the DCC Tournament Funnel, invented by Harley Stroh and debuted at Gen Con 2014 with his adventure The Seven Pits of Cesarecon, the Tournament Funnel has proven instantly popular with convention goers and is now being featured in Road Crew 2015 releases from Goodman Games, starting with The Hypercube of Might, which a couple of us on this podcast had a little something to do with. Uh, joining us as we explore this new adventure phenomenon is Dave Beatty, whose own Tournament Funnel, Carnival of the Damned, met with wide acclaim at GaryCon 7 just about a month ago as we record this. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. And I'm Judge Jim, and with me as usual are the Judges Jay, Judge Job. Greetings and salutations, my judges. (laughs) Judge Jeffrey. Hey, everyone. And the lovely and talented Judge Jen. Hey, guys. Good to see you again. So let's move this over to the tavern. And the first rule of bartending is this GBTB. Go beyond the book. Go beyond the book. What do you have? Heineken. Tavern talk. This is a section of the show, Dave, where we usually talk about whatever we did in gaming the past week, uh, although with podcast frequency, it's more like the past three months. But. <laughs> We've been bad, but we'll start with you if that's okay. What have you been? Sure. What have you been up to? Um, well, the last year I've ran a lot of the published DCC adventures and had a lot of fun with those. We went through. Uh, we started with Sailors, then we did Intrigue. We did One Who Watches from Below, and uh, we finished up with Bride of the Black Mance. And I've kind of segued that into a homebrew campaign. So my little group have basically found an island of Bobug Bubils. And uh, they are trying to find an artifact that was stolen by the demon Mammon in the uh, Bride of the Black Mance to keep from going to hell, basically. So they've uh, spent the day yesterday actually going through the jungles and uh, being annoyed by mosquitoes, malaria, and typhoid and all that good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't realize how good that armor is in the jungles until you get in it and you have to start making these checks for uh, fortitude. But... uh, we had a good time. Um, Kathy, some of you actually know Kathy, uh, discovered that plate mail armor is really great when you're trying to stay afloat. 
She uh, <laughs> she came uh, very close to dying, and uh, the look on her face was classic. It's nothing like killing your girlfriend in a game, but uh, <laughs> luckily she was safe. So that's kind of what's going on. They're trying to find a hidden shrine of, I like to call him Bo Bubba now, because I get tired of trying to say his name. <laughs> you actually can't say his name, which puts you ahead of most of us. There you go. Uh-huh. But that's it. Oh, awesome. How about you, Joe? Oh, you know, same old, same old, writing and running games. Um, I started a like a board game night on the island here at a at a local watering hole, the uh, the Ale House on Winslow. So uh, the first Monday of every month, we're playing board games, and uh, that is leading into. Um, uh, I'm letting someone else run a game for a while. This guy uh, Matthew is going to be running a five E game, so I'm going to go check that one out for a little bit. And then, other than that, you know, there's Gary Con, so. I ran a bunch of uh, Grimtooth's Museum of Death, which is uh, uh, the adventure I wrote for the Grim uh, Grimtooth Kickstarter. Um, I and heard that went great. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, Dave, you played in that. I forgot about that. Yeah, Kathy and I both yeah, got that was playing. my favorite game. That, like, yeah, yeah, that was my favorite game that I ran at the con uh, with you guys. I, I don't know. Everything just came together. And you guys, I could not kill you. I don't know why, but <laughs> I could not kill you. Yeah. Oh, well. Not for lack of trying, right? Yeah, I think we even put it to Grim Tina, who was supposed to be uh, nigh and vulnerable, right, Job? Well, yeah. I mean, you paralyzed her, took her uh, chainsaw, <laughs> and tried to cut her head off, but of course it wouldn't cut her. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys did pretty well. <laughs> and this is how we find out if Steve Crompton listens to the podcast, because he'll write, <laughs> he's going to write us about that stuff. <laughs> Oh man, I you know I got to work with him on that adventure and it was great. Like he's got great ideas and uh, the art that he made some original art and did the maps for the new adventure and they turned out really great. So I think people are going to like it. Sweet. How about you, Jeffrey? Let's see. So I'm on a bit of a break right now. We took a little break from my online game, but since so much time has passed, we did delve into our uh, uh, Shutter Mountain campaign, uh, taking advantage of the Chain Coffin. Uh, box set um and, and it, it was going pretty well uh things just got busy so we decided to take a little break on it but that was uh it's definitely a fun setting to play in uh lots of possibilities so we were having a good time with that uh so right now mainly the game i've got going is we're wrapping up a pathfinder game uh with one of the local dms and then we're real close to wrap like we're literally within two or three weeks probably wrapping that up and i'm not sure what we're going to be doing next with my local group uh, I don't know if we'll be doing something more OSRE or or what we'll do, but uh, th- that's where I'm at right now with the gaming. We missed you, Gary Con man. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. I couldn't be yeah, there. Yeah, we did. I wish I could have been there. Next no, year, I'm glad you didn't show up. I got your bed. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Job scored on that one. Uh, next year, though, daughter's birthday is not on Gary Con weekend, so that will greatly aid my ability to get there. So, awesome. Yay! Should be cool. Sweet. Right. Job and I actually got to hang out this Gary Con as opposed right? to one before. I know. Geez. Oh, that's cool. Last time I, I know Gary Con, Jim is like royalty at Gary Con. He's like <laughs> Jim Wampler Gygax. <laughs> Jesus, man. Cut it out. He's <laughs> hard to get a hold of. My favorite thing at Gary Con is how the DCC crew took over that damn tent. Uh, you, I know from behind the scenes, Luke sent that tent, set that tent up for the Pathfinder spillover. It was supposed to be Pathfinder Society's tent, and they just turned their noses up at it. And so wow. we, took, we all took it over. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Place. Yeah. yeah, that was great. We even got the waiters and the waitresses to come out there, too. 
Yeah. Uh, Miss Jen, I just happen to know from uh, metagaming knowledge that you just came back from a game because I was talking to your husband on the way up to it earlier today. I did. Um, there's actually been a lot of first ed lately um, and a little bit of fifth ed and a little metamorphosis alpha, uh, which Bob is also running. Cool. And my game, I think we're on every third week now. Uh, still primarily sandboxing, but keeping it with a bit of a theme going. Um, this latest one is actually set in the Screaming Temple, which is one of those limited edition things from uh, Pace Setter Games. They mm-hmm. only put it out in print. And, of course, Bob made sure I got a copy of that. So, uh, much to his chagrin, now he's in it. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a little nightmarish, but uh, very entertaining on my end. And we get back to that next week. I think I know what you mean, because I had to take a break from running MCC a few months ago, and James Smith took over the campaign, and uh, I got to play in MCC, and James was trying to kill my character, and that was interesting. <laughs> the shoe on the other foot. Um, which is what I've been doing in gaming. The uh, time goes by so fast, the older you get. We uh, it does. rebooted. Uh, my home MCC campaign after what we suddenly realized had been a six-month break because uh, I took a short hiatus uh, to get some manuscripts in. But prior to that, we were doing a bunch of playtesting, both uh, uh, for Goodman Games and for some stuff that I'm writing and this uh, tournament event we ran up at GaryCon. And six months had slipped by before we realized it. But we uh, uh, got back together last Saturday and re uh, re started the campaign where we left off. It had been so long, the last game we played in the campaign proper was the DCC Bunnies and Burrows adventure, if you remember that. <laughs> where they uh, got a chimp scientist, uh, they decided to help out a chimp scientist who projected their minds back before the Great Disaster into bunny bodies. To, to <sighs> I remember fetch, the art. <laughs> trying to fetch a formula. So we, they, they came back and found out that they stepped on a butterfly somewhere in the past, and the kindly chimp scientist is now a kindly sentient rabbit scientist. And they created a whole new race in my campaign of sentient rabbits. And uh, uh, I won't go into the whole character story, but some events took place where they were able to close the time loop, and now they have a sentient rabbit in their party. And that's the second time I've done time travel in the campaign where the causality loop has closed. Only this time it happened by itself. Jen, you actually played the first time. Oh jeez. That that's just like judging challenge level ten to because to, once you start messing around with time travel, you know, you never know yeah. what's gonna happen, right, Joe? That's what they tell me. I lost Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Jen Jen played Jen and Bob were up and they played an adventure where they uh their party came back from the adventure before they left and I managed to rig it where they waved at each both they waved at their future selves and then got it to loop back around where they waved back. Yeah, we saw ourselves just as we were heading into the adventure at the very end. Yes. It was very tidy and and impressive. And I don't think I could ever do that. (laughs) It's fun when it works out. Okay, so that's enough about that. Let's go do some Mighty Deeds and talk about the tournament funnel. Wait a second. I have an idea. That's plenty for the both of us. I move for no man. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> 
So before we plunge straight in, uh, Dave, usually when we have a guest on the show, we uh, do a little intro segment just so the listeners get to know them, starting with uh, how, tell us how you got into gaming to start with. What was your first game? What did, uh, you, did you start with? You know, it's been so long, Jim. I'm, I'm starting to realize how old I am. It's, uh, it's pretty bad. But I think I actually started about 35 years ago. Um, the old school D&D had a, a, a neighbor just kind of introduced me to it, and that was... I think in the late 70s, maybe. And from there, I just stuck with D&D and uh, played a lot of Gamma World when it came out. Uh, mostly through high school, I ran mostly Gamma World. And uh, from that point on, it seems like, I don't know, I don't think I've ever not been involved either playing or running something um, since that point. I've gotten into miniature games here and there, but I've always had something going, you know, whether it's World of Darkness, you know, when, when that was pretty big. Uh, we even did some Pathfinder, a uh, pretty good two-year campaign with Pathfinder before I was introduced to DCC. <laughs> Easy uh, now. Joe, be nice. <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. But uh, that's, that's kind of it. I've just always been involved with something, you know. I've always loved it. Sweet. Um, what was your first DCC experience? How did you stumble across this thing of ours? You guys are going to laugh at this. I hated DCC when I first played it. Um, I know, throw rocks at me, but uh, <laughs> really nice guy. Uh, actually, uh, Jeffrey knows uh, Brandon Geringer. Yep, sure do. Played with him many uh, times. He introduced us to it, and we had just come off of a, like a two-year or maybe a year Pathfinder campaign, and he was doing awesome with it. So, of course, we had these you know mega-crunchy characters that we had gotten attached to, and he decided he wanted a break, so we uh, we played this game called DCC and this stupid thing called a funnel. <laughs> and uh, we were all left with these characters who just crap had crap stats, and we just you know we had no idea what the concept of it was. So um, months later, I don't know why, but I picked it up and started reading it, and then I reread it and I read it again, and uh, that kind of caused my pilgrimage to my first GaryCon. Um, just to kind of play it and get a, a good feel for it before I tried to run it. But um, now, it's obviously, it's my favorite game, and I love it. And I'm, I'm real thankful to Brandon for introducing us to it. Sweet. Awesome. Yay. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've paid that forward by creating your own tournament funnel, which you ran at this past GaryCon. Oh, yeah. Which rocked. Thank which you so much. Kind of why uh, I had the bright idea to bring you on the show where we are talking about tournament funnels, because all I heard running my tournament was how great yours was well i'm definitely looking i haven't read yours yet or are the cabals yet because i want to play hopefully at north texas excuse me at north texas i can get in on it and i didn't want to read it to kind of spoil it so i can't uh can't say anything about yours yet but do thank you for the uh, kind words so let's uh start out for uh listeners who have not played or run one of these character tournament funnels to uh, to define it, what is a tournament funnel? How's it different from the regular character funnel that you were just talking about? Well, you know, this whole thing came about for me. Uh, Harley is just a genius. Um, I had been trying to come up with a way to run DCC at cons where people didn't have to sit down for a four or five hour session. You know, there's a lot of people who might want to try it, but they don't want to invest that time. So, I was trying to kick around some ideas uh, like the the D&D encounters that they have. And uh, I think even Pathfinder's got some sort of thing for uh, cons where you don't have to invest a lot of time 
to give it a shot. And right. um, I played in that tournament with Harley, uh, waited 45 minutes, and died in less than 10. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it set off a little light. And I, that's just, to me, that's the perfect way to get someone who doesn't want to invest a lot of time into trying it. And, and what you guys know this, once they're in, they're hooked, you know? Yeah, and uh, I think Jen and I both uh, were first exposed to it through Harley's Seven Pits of Sezercon at Gen Con 2, right? Did you play mm-hmm. in that, Jen? Yes, a couple times. It's, yeah, just, a, I mean, a great idea, but it's uh, it's just a great way, I think, to get uh, people who've never tried it before to sit down and pull a character sheet and, you know, you guys know as well as I do, it's just a lot of fun. It's crazy, and uh, the stamps are awesome. If you've got the stamps, that's an added element to it. And it, and it's a competition, which people like, you know. And you don't see that, I don't think, with a, a lot of uh, RPG games at cons these days. So I think it's really cool. Everything you say is absolutely true. And, and in addition to that, the genius of Harley's uh, tournament funnel design is that it takes a very swingy, chaotic uh, game system and codifies it in a way that makes it fair to run as a tournament where you can run the same thing every table, every group. Yeah, exactly. Without having to worry about somebody, you know, spell burning like crazy. It's a, it's a beautiful machine. Uh, Jeffrey, Job, did you guys play Seven Pits of Sessicon? Or, Job, you were busy running. I did not play Seven Pits. I did not play Hypercube of Might. And I did not play uh, Carnival of the Damned. So, yeah, thank, thanks a lot, Job. <laughs> and well, I, I mean, you sort of played a tournament funnel. It was just called Grimtooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't get to play Seven Pits either, mainly because I wasn't I, at Gen Con. Yeah, I plan to. Yeah. I, I think they're going to run at Gen Con this year again, right, or something. Um. Yeah. One of the weirdest things about the Seven Pits of Sessercon is that, as I've been talking with Harley about this. Only six of those doors were ever explored. And so the seventh pit had never been fully written out and developed. So that was actually... It sounds like Carly. That that was actually... (laughs) That turned into be the other game that I ran at GaryCon this year was the seventh pit of CesarCon. So people were able to, you know, discover some of the stuff through there that had never been seen before, even in the tournament. So now it, it's going to end up having that playability, whether uh, through a campaign or a tournament, there's still so much to explore. Dak Ultimac asked me a couple of weeks ago, knowing that Harley invented this thing and did it at Gen Con, he's like, okay, how did you get, if Harley did it at Gen Con and you guys did it at Gary Con, how did you get the Hypercube of Might published first, released first, and I'm like, oh, we just got a bunch of us together and ganged up on him. It was the whole <laughs> that's, that's how we did it. We ganged up on him. But 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 hopefully this year at Gen Con, there, I, I'm pretty sure there's some kind of tournament module going on. I'm bringing my, uh, my 10-year-old daughter, Nita, to Gen Con for the, her first Gen Con ever. Awesome. Oh, cool. I'm definitely going to bring her down to the tournament and, uh, and, and uh, let her loose. She's vicious. <laughs> I've trained would, her well. I would expect no less. I mean, I, we had Jim uh, Sketch's uh, daughter in uh, the Hypercube, and she's a good player. I don't know. Oh, she, yeah. I don't know how old she is. Oh, and she won yours, right? No, no, she Second didn't win. Second place. Oh, wait, are you talking about the Hypercube or? 
Uh, Carnival. Carnival of the Dam. I thought I saw a picture where Jim Sketch's daughter had the trophy. No, it was another young girl, and you know what? I can't remember her name, but Haley was she was in the running, and I was kind of secretly pulling for her. She's hard not to love to death. She's such a great player, but uh, she got uh, thrown up on by a, a man pig and dissolved in a horrible <laughs> fit. <so. laughs> no, that wasn't the girl that won. Wasn't she part of DougCon last year at GaryCon in the game with the poodle? I that, believe so. Yeah, that's what people were saying, that she was in the Poodle game. Okay. She was that girl there with her dad. The Poodle game. Yeah. <laughs> It'll go down in infamy, man. Speaking of the sketches, uh, Jim, do you want to tell everybody what Haley won at the uh, tournament this year? I, I don't know what you're talking about. You caught me flat-footed. Didn't she win, didn't she win the uh, DCC flask? Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Doug. Doug- that yeah. Kovacs man is a chaos lord in and of himself. Oh, yeah. We're just running our, our tournament. Doug's not involved in it in any way whatsoever, and he just comes up to the table and decides he's going to help us out, and he's got a whole box of DCC swag and starts the players in line and stuff just has start people start dicing off, and this 12-year-old girl uh, won a whiskey flask, <laughs> chain, a chain coffin whiskey flask. That's awesome. And I'm sitting there going, ooh, I'd like one of those, but no. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Joe, thanks for reminding me. That was funny. So let's try and break it down for listeners. What? How is the tournament funnel different from a regular character funnel? I mean, I know everybody probably listening, who, unless they're brand new to DCC, has played a, a character funnel where the point of the funnel is to start out with several. Each player has several zero-level PCs, and you're trying to get one to survive through the adventure so they can level up to first level. That's a regular character funnel. Yeah, the, uh, the the tournament funnel is just a little different in that you don't have several characters. Uh, usually we'll have a stack of pre-gens already printed up, and John Marr's been very gracious with uh, helping us out with those tournament character sheets. Um, and someone will sit down and pull one character sheet, and the idea is basically just to try and survive encounter to encounter. Um, and it's an elimination kind of thing to where if you get killed, you get that horrible, even though it's very pretty, but it's horrible to receive that red death stamp. Um, and then you have to either uh, get up if someone is waiting, uh, you know, to sit down in your place. Or uh, in my case, you know, sometimes we, we might have someone waiting, so we'll just let them grab another character sheet. But the idea is to uh, survive. Uh, and I'm not sure how you do it, Jim, but I've always done it to where um, the person who survived with the most encounters that was still alive got the prize. And I'm not sure. Did you do it that way? We just did it strictly numerically. Whoever uh, exited with the most survival stamps, regardless okay. of whether they were eventually killed or not. Yeah, I might, I might try that next time because um, I was thinking that you guys had done it that way. But um, the end result is people come in, they sit down, they may last 10 minutes, they may last two hours. And uh, at the end of the day, they've got these character sheets with these cool stamps on them that um, basically represents the encounters that they've survived. And Obviously, they want to try and get as many as they can to win that cool prize at the end of the road. Yeah, death is pretty inevitable in a tournament funnel. You're, <laughs> gonna, you're, you're, you're going to get it sooner or later. Yes, you are. It, it does seem to devolve at some points to looking over to your neighbor and seeing how many stamps he has and <laughs> saying, hmm, I'm going to gang up on him and knock him out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that is probably thought uh, quite often, but uh, it's it's just a fun environment. I mean, it's chaotic. You've got to, uh, as, as a judge, you've kind of you've got to know the material, but you've kind of you've got to kind of be able to juggle, you know, because as you know, Jim, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot more people involved with it. I think there's people waiting to play, and 
It's just to me, I, I could describe it as uh, herding chickens. Well, that's fairly accurate. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you if you attempt it single handed, which is a question I have for you because having run a tournament funnel at my local game store, I had some experience and knew to have uh, some a, a team of judges, someone to manage the line and hand out character sheets. We ran two tables, I'll grant you, but I had a judge at both tables, uh, James Smith and Roy Snyder, and then I was a floating judge, kind of like Doug does at DougCon, yeah. to make sure that any you know. Um, spot rulings were carried that information was carried over to the table so everything's educated uh, fairly um the carnival of the dam were you running it all solo by yourself yeah um i'm not as you guys said earlier i'm not uh, jim wampler gygax so i don't have the uh <laughs> i don't have the pool to the talent pool to pull from that you do jim uh maybe i will in the future but um it's just uh the the tournament edition of the carnival I think I ended up with around 30 uh, fully detailed encounters. And the trick is just That's to really insane. know the encounters. Well, I noticed that with, with Harley's, he, I think he had 21 encounters. And my only thoughts were if, if I ran it in multiple sessions over the weekend, and I think Harley did his. Didn't he run it in, in different sessions all through yeah. Gen Con? At least yeah, two he days. Had, he had four different slots for four yeah. hours each. So my only wonder, I guess the thing that I was wondering is, is how many times will someone sit back down and go through, you know, a repeat encounter? So that's why I tried to come up with a lot. The, uh, the G plus community was just phenomenal because I made the, uh, the first edition of the carnival actually driving, uh, Kathy was driving us on the way to dragon con and I was riding it up in the backseat of the car. Um, <laughs> But the G Plus community, they uh, they threw all kinds of ideas out for carnival encounters, and I just took them and you know ran with it. But uh, and some of uh, those are are evil and vile, and just it, it's a beautiful product, man. It's it's a little <laughs> sick and twisted in parts, but there's some laughs Very. There too. Um, but as far as running it solo, you know, I don't know. Um, I guess I've been doing it so long, and I know you guys have as well. But um, it's it's kind of an improv thing, and and um, it, it seems to flow. The people that I've had, you know, I, I think the people that have played in the carnival have just been such great players, and and they've, I don't know, been so open minded to the rules and and going with things on the fly that I haven't really had any issues yet. Um, and I also don't think I've had a big turnout like you guys. How many did you have for the first tournament at, at Gary, uh, Jim? Uh, the Gary Gary Connor, the first one we ran at Gateway Games. Uh, well, either I guess. Uh, we killed 75 characters uh, when we ran it in the store, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how many died, but the large majority of them, surely. Uh, we went through like 119 or 129 character sheets at GaryCon. Jeez. Now, you had at the first, the, when you opened up the tournament at GaryCon, how many did you have seated at the tables? 16. Two, yeah, two tables of eight yeah. and uh, a pretty good line. I think uh, the... Sometimes I think the way the, the tournaments are listed in some of the con uh, write-ups, it may be a little deceiving for folks because I don't think they understand that it's kind of one of those deals where they can wait and maybe in about 10 minutes sit down. Uh, I had eight people, and I think we moved it to 10 uh, when I first ran the carnival at Gary. And uh, that was pushing it a little bit, but I haven't had, I guess, the big turnouts that you have had yet. So, you know, I guess if I get to that point someday, I'll have to figure something out. Maybe put Kathy in as a, a substitute or an, uh, uh, help me out running things. But so far, it's been pretty good. She'd be a really good chicken herder. 
Are you get, my favorite part about the tournament was just handing the character sheets to the next people in line and saying, yep, you've got one hit point. You're going to die cold and alone, but it'll be a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's DCC for you. Exactly. Well, I'm full of admiration for the gumption it took to both write the Carnival of the Dam single-handedly and to run it at a convention single-handedly because I need to make sure uh, I say that the Hypercube of Might was a, a group collaboration between a bunch of us. Um, I, uh, the co-authors were myself, Jeffrey, Stephen Newton, Dak Altamac, Daniel J. Bishop, and Adam Miscavige. An, so, awesome, so, an awesome crew, I might add, too. And, and, then, and then the crew we had running it, which included Jen and Roy and uh, James Smith. Which yeah, I, you can't, you can't I mean, go wrong with all that, all those names. I don't know what access I have to awesome pools of talent. I just ask people nicely. <laughs> yeah, but, come on, David, you've got Simon doing your art now, though. Yeah, he's uh, he's actually really? finishing up a piece. Uh, yeah. He's done two, and uh, he's such an awesome guy in his artwork. To me, it's uh, for those of you that have played some of the old school Warhammer Fantasy role play. Um, that those that art style, he seems to really I don't know, it just throws back to that. But yeah, he's doing. Uh, he's finishing up it, a piece for me. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say Simon. Who? What's his last name? Simon, Simon Todd. Todd. Okay. Uh, he's uh, from the UK. He's been fortunate enough to make it out to Gary Con to hang with us for the last couple of years. He's done a lot of art also for uh, Rene Benpois and Ernie Gygax's modules. Did I even get close to his name? Uh, Benoit Perrar. Yeah, okay. You didn't choke yeah. trying to that say guy. it. That was <laughs> For the Hobby Shop Dungeon crew... Um, and uh, the book of fiction, the uh, Samigawa, I think, that Ernie wrote. I'm going to get that completely wrong. I'll have to look it up. And he had two adventures that he had made and did the art for that were we played in one of them, and it was really nice. And he's just such an awesome guy, too. Oh, yeah, the, the Sandemeyer one. Um, shoot. Murder on Blackmore? Oh. God, yeah, I'm, I'm going to murder all of all of the names on yeah, that. Yeah, we played but, uh, the Harkin Hall. The, I think it's Curse of Harkin Hall, and uh, we had a great time with that. But, yeah, Simon's done a few. We've got Todd McGowan, who's done uh, he's done one piece so far, and he wants to jump on the bandwagon uh, next month and do a few more. And actually, one of the, the, first, the very first artists that I um, got in touch with is a guy named Danny Prescott, and... He's from the UK as well, and he's done some of the pieces. So it's just been a really fun experience, you know. It's it started more or less after Dragon Con, and it, Jen can tell you, and I've asked you guys here and there in little uh, parts and pieces. It's just kind of come a long ways since September of last year. Are you? Uh, and we can edit this out if the answer is negative. Are you in a position where you can talk about the uh, Carnival of the Dam being possibly published? Yes, um, as some of you, if not all of you guys know, the Quad J, as I like to call you. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if I change my name to something like Jeremy, if I can be your uh, fifth host. You could, you could be a Javid. <laughs> awesome. Um, but no, uh, Jen, as a matter of fact, I was having some problems because I don't consider myself a great writer at all. Um, and I'm trying to learn. You know, it's definitely a craft that you guys have mastered, but... Um, I was having a hard time. I've got a lot of folks around me who... If by are, mastered you mean learned the hard way, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely a fledgling in that arena, but um, I was having a hard time getting it edited. And 
So after two or three folks here locally had said they would and, you know, just for whatever reason didn't have the time, I was getting a little frustrated and spoke with Jen and she recommended that I send it to John Moore. Um, and I'd never really even considered that. Uh, I'd, I'd wanted to publish the carnival as just a fanzine uh, style module. And so I sent, I think I had three or four encounters ready and sent them to John and just really didn't expect a whole lot. And he wrote back, and this was several months ago, that if the rest of the material uh, matched up to what he read, he would actually be interested in publishing it. So uh, that gave me a little bit of a uh, spark to get it done. And of course, Gary Khan coming up, I wanted to run it at Gary. So um, I would say it was almost pretty much complete when I brought it to Gary. And uh, when we got back home, I went back to work on it. Spent a lot of hours here at the fire department, but don't tell the guys. Um, you know, <laughs> when we had some downtime, I was usually on the keyboard. But uh, I actually submitted it to John uh, two days ago, and he responded, and he would like to publish it. So I think it's actually going to be a purple software product. Um, yeah, nice. Congratulations. Uh, like said, yeah, definitely cool. Jen for suggesting. But I think John's actually going to do the uh, editing and the layout. Um, and we're going to kind of work together on it. But so far, um, he seems pleased with it, and I never expected it to go this route, but I'm certainly happy that it has. On this one Very special cool. occasion, I'm going to revive my Michael Curtis impression. Are you ready for it? Yes. You know, it's uh, never too late to quit the business. <laughs> Get out now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's spot on. That is spot oh, on. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. But Dave, I, after not having read this or played it, I was wondering, um, ha, uh, are you a juggalo? Yeah, no, I'm not a juggalo. Um, I am familiar with the term, though. And have you ever made out with a clown? No, but I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know you and I got pretty close at Gary. Uh, some of these games. I don't remember that. Jesus. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. Job, I'm sure there's um, a lot you don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go any Job stories from Gary Con, but uh, the thing with the uh, the carnival. I wanted it to be able to be played as a tournament, but to give it an actual, I guess, a little more playability. You can also run it as a zero-level funnel. So, you know, if you want to play in a tournament, that's great, and it works uh, well for that. But it's also got a pretty good story to it if you want to uh, go the funnel route. And that's actually the version I played in, because I know Bob played in your your, uh, tournament. Yes. But I sat for the story part, and God, that was beautiful. Well, thank I, you so much. I want to run that just as a, a one-shot for my group because that's the storyline is wonderful. Now oh, you're making great. me curious to read it because uh, the Hypercube of Might is a meat grinder. I don't think – I mean, without you know rejiggering the adventure, you could <laughs> make it a regular character funnel. Well, there, yeah. there's a ton of deadly encounters in it, but the purpose behind it when you put it into – you know, a four or five hour slot as just a funnel game. Uh, the story and the purpose for it are are really poignant. And I was so nervous when you sat down at the table, Jen. It's kind of like, you know, I love hanging oh, out with you guys and playing under you, but please, when, when one of you sits down <laughs> at the table, it's a different. It's a, it's a different story. I'm, well, consider it payback for you sitting at my table for the seventh pit. Yeah, I guess that is payback, but you did a wonderful yeah. job, too. Though. <laughs> now that that's over with. Yeah, we, now the butt kissing's over with. <laughs> Everybody's being so sweet to each other. Job, fix it. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you make out with clowns. 
<laughs> oh, man. What I like, though, is in the... Yeah, I'm done. In the funnel adventure part, you might not experience all, what'd you say, 40 encounters or whatever silly number it was. It yeah, depends on 30. what direction the players go kinds of it kind of determines the encounters and the attractions that you end up hitting yeah and it's also if if you let's just say you picked it up and you wanted to run it you know there may be um and obviously you're not going to go all through those encounters in one session so if mm-hmm. you as a judge if you like five of the encounters really well then you can actually pull those and put some of the essential story elements in, um, and have a fun, have a have a good time with it. You know, oh, so it, yeah, it's totally versatile. Hopefully, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you a couple of questions, David, to uh, compare and contrast the Carnival of the Damned with uh, the Hypercube, because uh-huh. in playtest we noticed that it didn't work so well in the tournament funnel format if the players did certain things that players are prone to do uh, in playtest. Uh, there was a point where uh, the table I was running split the party three ways, and I oh, was God. conducting three chambers worth of combat and things all at the same time. And so, uh, in writing it, we cheated and just—I uh, mean, since the adventure takes place in a four-dimensional tesseract, we just said, "Okay, the party's quantum entangled now with each other." <laughs> so, anybody who steps through a door drags the rest of the party with them, and then made each chamber have a uh, entrance and exit. That locked unless a certain victory condition was met within that chamber. That was that was the fix in the hypercube. That obviously wouldn't apply to every possible tournament uh, funnel. But how did you handle that issue with the carnival? That, that's the a great point. And if anyone's actually coming up with their own funnel, um, they definitely need to understand that. You know, it's just there's always going to be one or two folks in a group that have that wants to wander off and explore. You know, they want to split the party up. Um, and I, I knew that was going to, I guess, come down the pipe. So the, the carnival itself, the, it's based around a, uh, like a mad god. His name's Gilos. And so the carnival is kind of based around him. But what I did is I included um, these mists. And if you guys have ever played Ravenloft, I kind of, uh, you know, it kind of gave me the idea. It's the pink mists. So basically what they do is... They give the whole carnival grounds uh, an eerie element, but they also serve a purpose. If let's just say um, six people go into a uh, one of the tents to go through one of the story encounters, but two of those want to go back out to keep that from happening, like you you know come up with your way, the the mist would actually block the door. So if they went out the door, they would kick them right back in. The mist would kind of ah. add to usher them and it can also if if you needed uh if you needed them to head into a specific direction then the mist can kind of guide and lead and the um the actual when the the adventure comes out um there's a rule in there if you if you're running it in a con session and you're running short on time the mist can actually act as a a transport device so if you need them to get to say this encounter b and the mist can just kind of shroud around everybody, and then you know when they part, here you are, and you encounter. So that's a good a good point. And anyone who runs a funnel, whether it's a pre-made or you know homebrew, they need to think about that because characters are gonna split up. Like I just said, it's chicken herding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if we're doing our jobs right on the podcast, we're going to encourage people to write their own. Oh yeah, I mean that's kind of. Uh, part of the whole DCC uh, sensibility is to do it yourself. Yeah, I agree. 
Fan creators. I mean, best fan base ever I, I, that I've ever been exposed to. Yeah, definitely. Super creative. Yeah, I don't know what it is about DCC because, you know, I, I've ran games for ages and I don't know if, if if you take a game like Pathfinder, which it's a great game, don't get me wrong, but there's so many books, it's almost like it takes away your natural desire to create. And DCC just kind of reopened that for me and it, it fueled a fire that, that made me want to, you know, make new classes, make new races and, and do things, which, you know, you look at all the great fanzines that we've got and the, the third-party publishers, and DCC is just awesome. That's the great part that Joseph managed to bring back, and like you, I'm not quite sure how he did it because it's a very old-school sensibility that comes from – it sounds like you and I started about the same time. I started playing in 79, and in 79, there were, you know, three AD&D books – and yep. monochrome modules, a, a handful, and that was it. <laughs> uh, with some fill-in from some third-party stuff that would, you know, they'd put something out before Gary found them and set them a cease and desist, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so our choices were this handful of things that we were young and poor and couldn't afford or make it up ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. But it, it did. It just, I mean, I don't know what it is about DCC, but you nailed it. It just, it really, I think it brings out the creativity in everybody. Job, you got any time to join the cabal? Uh, I, you know, maybe, but um, I'm back, I'm actually I'm I'm going on a hiatus from writing for a while, so I had threatened to do it before, and uh, it's it's totally happening. So I actually I have to send one thing over to Jen, and that's the last <laughs> thing I have to do for a while. But I still got like three books coming out this year, so you know the way oh, the no. timelines go. That that's fair, and I want to, I'm the last person on earth that wants to cause wife aggro. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got I got three kids and family stuff and work stuff, so I'm just going to take, you know, like a 6-month break or so. Wow. You you deserve a little time off, dude. It's Real life. Really yeah. Get out. Yeah, I got to recharge my energy, you know, Jim, you got all the energy going, so keep running and then uh when you get tired, I'll jump back in there. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> hand the baton back and forth. It's a relay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, let's let's just take care of some business to make sure uh, everybody gets the information they need to do these things. Um, the Carnival of the Dam will eventually be published, I, presumably since it's uh, Purple Saucer, print and PDF, right? Yeah, I believe John said he talked about uh, doing a PDF print combo. Um, but it's still he, he's actually just two days ago started editing it. So I'm sure that's a ways down the road. The uh, Hypercube of Might, if you're not on the Google Plus group for DCC, uh, is now available as a PDF. Uh, all you have to do is sign up to run a Road Crew 2015 uh, thing, let Joseph know, and you get a copy. Woohoo! And uh, <laughs> uh, although the listings for North Texas Con originally were for the Hypercube, they are no longer. So if you signed up for that game, you're going to be playing in the what may be a play test, depending on how quickly we get it done the next road crew tournament dave uh called death by nexus yeah i saw that i didn't know if that was a fluke or what but yeah i was really excited when i read about that and that one's from the cabal as well yes we are working (laughs) as they say it is in progress and uh, i'm jealous of you guys going to north texas That, that looks like a sweet con it it does i i'll be jealous too yeah, it'd be a good time. Is anybody going besides me? Uh, and David. Davis. 
I am not. Oh, I'm doing Origins. That's right. Because it's my local con. Yeah, yeah. The uh, well, the quick commercial for North Texas Con. It's identical to Gary Con in ninety uh, percent of the sensibilities, but the diff- one notable difference in North Texas Con is it's way smaller. It's gonna it it tops out at three hundred attendees, and where you can go to Gary Con and uh, sit at and at a adventure that Frank Menser's running or that Tim Kask is running. What happens at North Texas Con that's unusual is you'll sit at a table and you're playing alongside Jeff D or Errol Otis. They're not running the game. They're 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 there to play. Oh nice. That's awesome. I mean, well I, you I, have one or two tables for the uh tournament games then. Just one. Okay. That's about all I can handle because I'll have other responsibilities that I cannot discuss on air. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. And uh, I want to do a special call out to John Marr because you mentioned it in passing earlier, David. Uh, John Marr uh, is the king of uh, level zero character generation. Oh, yeah. I know he hooked you up. It was, I couldn't believe how nice he was. I I realized that close to the last minute, I I didn't have character sheets for Gary Khan. And it was really just (laughs) calling John up and saying, can you help me out? And he's like, send me the blank PDF and you got it. And like, you know, bang, there's a level zero, you know, because we needed a what? We we almost didn't have enough. I came with 150 character sheets and we almost blew through them. Wow. Yeah, no, he's a super guy. I love him to death. So, you know, talented writer and programmer. Yes, thank you, John. <laughs> so, hey, uh, just to get back to the topic, are we going to talk about? Because I was really interested in this: is um, you know how to make trophies, plaques, and swag for your uh, for your tournament. Excellent question, sir. Uh, yeah, I'll, I guess I could take that to start with. Um, I just went with plaques, and they're, they're pretty inexpensive. Uh, back way back in, uh, I guess. 14 at September when I ran the carnival at Dragon Con. Uh, I did a couple of plaques and even gave away a copy of the DCC rulebook, you know, for, and a, a new person who'd never played the game actually took that home. So that was a great prize. But uh, this year at Gary, I had some dice and some uh, can koozies made. And you'd be surprised <laughs> the stuff's not that expensive. Um, you can go through Chessex Manufacturing, their online, and they can do just about any kind of design on dice. But as far as awards go, I mean, you, you know, you don't have to. I think uh, Jim wrote in his article on running funnels, uh, you can make some pretty cool stuff. You know, imagination's really the only thing that's limiting you there. Yeah, you don't have to be uh, insane like I am and go to the trophy shop and buy parts and assemble, <laughs> assemble it yourself and make a, make a side trip to Iron Wind Metals to get 52-millimeter miniatures. <sighs> I do that because that's me, but... Uh, <laughs> the, the point is just to make it special. I mean, anybody yeah. can get into into you know a Word doc and create a award certificate in a cheap you know Walmart frame. Yeah, and the stamps, you know, the stamps are they can they can be pricey. I don't know what you ended up giving for yours, uh, Jim. I was lucky enough to get a coupon through a website called Groupon, which uh, got me mine basically at half off. But you know, you guys don't have to have stamps if you get the character sheets. You know, get those bingo markers, or you can just do, use a regular marker. Um, but they're they are pretty cool to have. In the play test, before I had my stamps, that's what we did. We I had two big uh, dry erase markers, and a blue check meant you survived, and a red X. Well, we know what that means. There you go. Oh yeah, and for our listeners that may be wondering, well, where the heck do you fit that in on a zero level character sheet? Um, for those that obviously haven't played 
the funnel tournaments before, there's actually spots below with little circles with like Hugh's face or maybe a clown's face in, in the carnival's case yeah. that says, I survived. And each time you survive, you get a stamp on one of those. Harley and has I, posted his template before on the Google Plus page. So if you're looking for one of those, just go to Google Plus and ask. Oh, yeah. There you oh, go. Nice. Uh, I should, I'll, I'll, uh, I hope I won't get myself in trouble. I'll talk about something that was going to happen at Gary Con that didn't. Um, the Dark Master and I were working on cloison pins uh, specific yeah. to the tournament. And uh, the, the reason that fell through is they turned out to be a little pricier than uh, anybody thought going in but uh, I'm like way pricier <laughs> so uh, Joseph did stickers but the uh, he announced it at Gary Con if you didn't uh, weren't there or didn't hear that uh, there's going to be a Kickstarter later this year so that'll be a Kickstarter that's not just for new DCC swag but it's also will include tournament specific swag and when that happens there'll be that to hand out if you sign up for a road crew event and always great stuff too oh yeah so, wow, we're starting to sound a little bit like a corporate organ housework. <laughs> well, actually, i um, got a question for you, Jim. Um, since you've run... The, I didn't do it. Nobody saw me. Nobody can prove a thing. You mentioned it earlier, so you, there's kind of audio proof. You have run a tournament funnel at both your friendly local gaming store and a con now. So with both of those experiences in mind, which one worked better, do you think? Uh, probably co-equal fun, but that takes us back to the swag conversation because uh, if you run one of these tournament events at a at your fr- local friendly game store, most of the owners and DM Todd at Gateway Games certainly did this will contribute to it because you're dragging you know customers into their store with a gift certificate or you know uh, a prize that you know uh, that's a game of some kind. So the players may benefit more. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Oh, I didn't mean, you know, to the judge for running the event. I meant Oh, no, players. no. I, from a judge's point of view, if there's judges out there saying, well, there's no conventions that I could run something like this at, like if they're getting the a copy of the Hypercube of Might, but they want to run it at their store instead, um, what are some things, you know, they should keep in mind just being at a store? That free RPG day is coming up yeah. soon. <laughs> that's an ideal venue to go because the, the game store owner is already going to be looking for events. Touche. Yeah, good point. And what if my game store owner doesn't know what free RPG day is? <laughs> I feel your pain, dude. <laughs> that has happened. That's Seattle for you. <laughs> well, in your case, you just run the tournament funnel on the ferry boat going across <laughs> the bay like you do everything else. There we go. Yeah, yeah, there Saturday, we go. You, could, you could ride back and forth and back. <laughs> Just stay on there for four hours. We've been playing Car Wars last week, so. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Excuse me. The venue is important, though, because at GaryCon, Jen is a witness to this. Um, They put us in two different spaces on uh, two different nights. And when we were, the second night when we were up in the foyer area, there was a nice area in front of the check in desk where Jen could manage the line, and that worked great. The first night, we were down packed in the regular game room. And once the line got big and we got loud, we were uh, more than annoying the Pathfinder table next to us. Because, you know, <laughs> the line's forming and, you know, bumping their chairs and stuff. So you do need some room to do this. If That's big- a horrible, horrible situation, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I cannot respond without no getting myself in trouble. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get the tent next year. <laughs> uh, see, that would work. That would be awesome. It's like you're, you're bothering Pathfinder Society. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. I still think my favorite part of the entire time was getting to proselytize to Joseph as he stood in line. <laughs> oh, Mr. Goodman, uh, can, I, can I talk to you about the glory that is Dungeon Crawl Classics? <laughs> can I interest you? <laughs> I, see, I was so wrapped up in what we were doing, I didn't even see Joseph come by. Oh yeah, he was he was in line for a good twenty minutes chatting with everyone. Yeah. Wow, you were busy. Yeah, well, you know how it is. <laughs> Doing good stuff. Roy, Roy is the king of improvisation because the uh, stuff you were talking about, David, how sometimes uh-huh. the tournament funnel forces you to do some improvis- improvisation. I watched Roy do that in a game where the party was trying to split, and as written. There's a force field there. You're not getting through the door until you do this certain thing in the room. But Roy had one of those guys, you know, that guy that's at yeah. every table who wouldn't give it up. And uh, Roy just goes, what's the zip code for Lake Geneva? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I'll go find out at the desk for you. I come back, and he had put a keypad on the door. And, and the zip code <laughs> of Lake Geneva was the code, apparently. That's awesome. And, and the player was perfectly happy sitting there punching numbers into the keypad while everybody else was fighting and getting killed. Wow. Well, okay. Is there anything we didn't cover? I think you've pretty much hit most of the topics of it. Um, you know, hopefully people will take it and they'll run with it. The hypercube's definitely a great way to, to get their feet wet. Okay. And we have Harley to thank for all of it. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's definitely a cool way to sample DCC, that's for sure. Like Dave was saying earlier, it's just it's quick to drop in, give it a whirl, see what it's like, you know, it, without taking up a whole slot if you're a little nervous about signing up for a whole slot. So, yeah, it's a great concept. And I have yet to run it and not have someone who got killed instantly uh, stay at their seat if they had the chance and pull another character. So I think it's a good way to get people hooked. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we saw that too, where the second they got killed, right back to the end of the line. Not can't <laughs> wait to get back in. <laughs> right. Definitely. Oh, and Jen, since we have a public forum here that people will listen, may I brag on you for just a moment? This is me saying no. Correct me if <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I say I say rhetorically. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you always do. But the winner, the first place winner of the Hypercube at Might at Gary Con, was that not a young lady who had never played DCC before, who you met while you were managing the line, talked into playing, who then got hooked and played until she won first place. Um, for the most part, that is true. It was her father the night before wearing a spectator badge just kind of floating between the two tables and asking me what the hell was going on. (laughs) And five minutes into our conversation, he wrote down the name of the game and made sure he knew what the copy of the book looked like so he could pick up one in the dealer's room the next day. Awesome. And 20 minutes later came back and said, okay, I texted my daughter, but she doesn't know what this game is. But I think tomorrow I'm just going to buy real badges for both of us so we can play. And so that was Art, who is supposed to be getting on the public forums. And uh, his daughter, Beth, did indeed end up winning first place on that after never picking up the book before. So well done. Mission accomplished. Yep, definitely. More converts. That is what it's all about, man. Exactly. When somebody brings a book that they purchased because they played, you know, in your tournament or in your module – 
that's the highest to me, the highest form of a compliment you can get. And as I said, he is supposed to be getting on the the public forums because he he's not a G plus type of person, but he's interested in playing in local games because he's local to uh, local ish to the Lake Geneva area and would really love to get into some games so that it's not just him running for his daughter. I can't think of a better area in the entire country to be for that. <laughs> right? Exactly. So much love to both of them as well. Okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're all glad to be back. It, I promise it will not be uh, uh, another lengthy <laughs> amount of time before there's another episode. Oh, you're glad to be back. You love my ass. You know you do. <laughs> Yeehaw. Ah, I was waiting for a reaction. Okay. <laughs> so, remember, never split the party unless the party's already split. See you, everyone. Good night, guys. Goodbye. Don't go in the kissing booth in the Carnival of the Damned. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, Dave. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, <laughs> thanks for everybody who came out and played at GaryCon. Oh, get out already. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Spellburn Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. The Spellburn theme music is provided by the band Glitter Wizard. You can find them at glitterwizard.bandcamp.com. Future therapy for Judge Job's children provided by the Jim Wampler Asylum for the Subliminally Insane. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Spellburn. Spellburn.